the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. A few years ago, I had the tremendous privilege of going on a trip to Ecuador with a sort of motley crew of people, a couple of doctors and a couple of lawyers, a couple of us who either were clergy or already or would be clergy eventually, and a couple of seminary professors from around the country. And we went for a couple of reasons, um, mostly to listen to some stories about globalization and about how hard global warming is on the global south, and specifically how much that affects some of the native and indigenous communities up in the mountains in Ecuador. And we were there, specifically I was there, with some colleagues of mine to explore those churches and those communities of faith and to understand how those folks have sort of melded the Christian faith with their own culture and tradition. And it was, as you might imagine, a fascinating trip. I learned a lot. And there's two pieces of that story that I want to share with you this morning. And one is that the whole time we were there, one of our guides was telling us that the best part of the trip, hands down, the day that would change our lives forever was the last day when we were going to go up one of the volcanoes outside of Quito. He swore up and down that when we got there, we would hear God's voice in the wind. We would be so high up that we felt close to God, and in the caldera, in the lake up there, if it was a clear sky, we would see the bluest water we'd ever seen. He promised it would transform us, just being up that high. A day or two before that, we went up to one of those communities that was tucked into the mountains, sort of hidden in the mist. You wouldn't have even known if it was there if you weren't looking for it. And as often was the case, when we showed up in this village, the folks there absolutely threw their arms around us and gave us this incredible, hospitable welcome that I have rarely received in other places in my life. And in this village, there was a sort of structure in the center, a building with just a roof on it, no walls, and there were tables in there, and as was their custom, their elders sat and ate with us. And we needed interpreters at all the tables, because even those of us who spoke Spanish couldn't quite get to understand their language. And so it was this sort of back and forth of us trying to understand each other. And at some point as we were sitting there, I realized that there was this little girl sitting off to the side by herself. A group of kids running around, doing what kids do, but this one little girl sitting by herself. And so as soon as I thought I wasn't being rude, sort of got up from the table and went over and sat on the ground next to her. And we did what you do with little kids. We sort of waved and made funny hand motions and kind of laughed a little bit. And then she reached over and she picked something up and she went to put it in my hand and it was a hard-boiled egg, which was the food they had made for us to welcome us. Hard-boiled eggs and tea, actually. And um, she puts this egg in my hand like she's trying to feed me. And I cut it in half and we shared it. And we sat there on the ground together and ate and laughed and couldn't talk to each other, but understood each other very well. And that moment changed the way that I thought about a lot of things, and particularly who I thought I could learn from. 
So a day or two later, we went up the volcano, and we were about halfway up when I realized that something was wrong and this was not going to work for me. We'd been up and down for days, and my body was done, as were some of my colleagues. We were very, very sick, like four of us out of the 10 or 15 of us that were on this trip. And so we trudged, the four of us, back down the side of the mountain, got in the van, laid down, and very sick, went to sleep. And when our colleagues came down, they had these beautiful pictures. They got to see the beautiful blue water. They got to hear God's voice in the wind. They had a change in perspective from up there. They loved it. And I was so mad. It took another two or three days after I was home for me to stop feeling bad for myself. Because that was the transformative experience, right? That's what our guides all said. That that was the moment that we would feel like we had seen the whole country and communed with God. And I missed it. And when I finally stopped feeling bad for myself, I realized that what had actually transformed me and what actually mattered was sitting on the ground next to that little girl and sharing a hard-boiled egg. That I had, in fact, heard God's voice in her laughter and that because we were on the same level and shared this moment together, we had created something new. Now, granted, she's probably a teenager now and has no interest in this moment whatsoever if she remembers it at all. But it changed my life. And it changed my perception of what matters. In the Gospel today, which is a tough passage, Jesus does something really sort of remarkable. Now, everyone loves the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek. It's all good news. It's easy for us to find ourselves in that great happy news list that, that Matthew gives us about everyone being blessed. And then Jesus goes on at the end of that passage to tell the disciples and the gathered crowd that they are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's so warm and fuzzy. Jesus is happy in Matthew's gospel. It's no wonder everyone likes that passage better. This one is hard. This one is really hard. And it should convict us, not in the sense of having done something wrong that we can't fix, but in the sense of having feelings about it, convictions about it. This passage is harder because the first half, the good news, is for vulnerable populations. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's a lot easier to find ourselves in the midst of the woes than in the good news. But here's why this story matters. Unlike Matthew's gospel, when Jesus sees the crowd and he goes up the mountain for a change in perspective, in this story, because he's going to give the, the hard news too, he goes down. He goes down to the level of the people. He shares the plane with them. He doesn't stay up high, far away. He goes to be with them and tells them the truth and teaches them and loves them, but does that standing next to them, shoulder to shoulder. The location is important. And it tells us something, too, about the incarnation. This is what God does when God comes to earth and takes on flesh in Jesus Christ. God says, I love you so much, I want to be in it with you. I want to stand next to you. 
I want to be in relationship with you. And I expect you to change. There will be hard pieces of the work to which I call you, but I will be next to you the whole time. The location is important. This gospel passage is a challenge. And when people like to talk about the Beatitudes, they talk about Matthew. But the truth is that the relationship that Jesus offers us in this passage, though it's challenging, is much more interesting. The fact that he wants to come and be with us is much more interesting. That Jesus in Luke's gospel is profoundly interested in us knowing a Jesus who is committed to justice and equality. A Jesus who is interested in our transformation as individuals and our transformation as a whole people. The Jesus in Luke's gospel doesn't just want to know you, he wants to change you. And he wants you to change the world around you. That's why there's good news and hard news in almost every passage of Luke. Luke wants for us to be changed. And so the invitation of this gospel is not to let our faith invite us up the mountain for a change in perspective. And also not to do the reverse, not to imagine that we're above anyone, but also not to imagine that we're below anyone. The invitation of this gospel and of our faith is to be like Jesus, who goes and stands on the same level, shoulder to shoulder, next to the people who need help, next to the people who are different from us, next to the people we love, and the people who challenge us. The invitation of this gospel is to understand that all of us belong on that same level, and that it is our work to build a world where everyone starts in the same place. Rather than going up the mountain to look for a change in perspective, this gospel invites us to look around us, to draw more near to the people who need help, and to be in deeper relationship with God and with each other. So I'd ask you this week to consider the times in your life when perspective has changed your mind, but more importantly, when relationship has changed your mind. It invites you to follow him down or up depending on where you've put yourself and where you've put other people. And find yourself instead shoulder to shoulder with someone who can teach you more than you may yet know. Amen.